Yaakov, you know this is not your house. Yes, but if I go, you don't go back. So what's the problem? Why are you yelling at me? I didn't do this. I didn't do this. But so you're you're not it's you're easy to yell at me, but I didn't do this. Yeah, you are helping. stealing my house. And if I don't steal it, someone else is going to steal it. No, no one, no one uh, uh, is allowed to steal it, Yami. That was a video taken from Twitter of an Israeli man and a Palestinian woman fighting over her home in the Sheikh Jarrah region. Today on Slim Radio News, of course, we are going to be bringing you information about the current situation in Israel and Palestine. Hi, Nora. So maybe we should start with the current death toll. Yes, of course. So currently, keep in mind, we are recording on the 15th of May at the moment. So I'd say by tomorrow it's going to go up. But what is it currently? So currently the Palestinian death toll is 152, while the Israeli death toll is nine. Okay. Okay. So we thought that today, of course, the listeners will know. I'm sure there's so much information going around at the moment about the situation. Even on Instagram, almost every second Instagram story, there's some type of uh, infographic being shared or some type of article being linked. And, you know, infographics on Instagram, they're great and everything. Amazing for getting information that we definitely would not be seeing enough of if it wasn't for that. And they're great for, like, democratizing information. But the thing is, um, I think they can be kind of like reductive at times because everything is dwindled down into really bite-sized easy to understand points which is good but this situation as everyone says it is so heavy there's years of contracts conflict behind every little infographic that you see so today we thought that it would be a good idea to take some topics that I'm sure you already know about and try and explain them (laughs) to the best of our abilities and also bringing in the conflicting perspectives over topics that should be quite simple. Right. I saw there's a lot of infographics going around. And I think I saw one infographic that was saying that this conflict is anything but complex. But I actually would disagree. And I think it's actually the direct opposite. So we're just going to go into the history because there's so much detail. and There's so many nuances that we thought we would maybe better explain what's going yes, on. Yes, of course. And we're trying our hardest. Like, it's not an easy feat. I kind of felt like I was preparing for a thesis. I felt like a like a law student. Not, <laughs> yes, not genuinely. Lie. Yeah. Yes. So how this conflict, the current conflict that we've seen for the last few days, the kind of flashpoint and how it's seen as starting is coming from the Sheikh Jarrah region. And this is a region that is actually quite small. Only 3,000 people live in the neighborhood, but it's been the source of a lot of conflict. And the reason behind that is the whole thing of ownership. So just to give some history, in the early 1900s, when Israel and Palestine was part of the Ottoman Empire, there was a small Jewish community living there with Arab neighbors. However, 1948 happened, which was the war of independence essentially but this was also the napka which meant that there were hundreds of palestinians fleeing that like basically all of israel into outside of the region and within the actual place itself but then in 1948 jordan invaded jerusalem and they evicted all of the jewish families and they got this region they basically said to the palestinians 
you guys can live here now. And they took in hundreds of Palestinians as refugees, essentially. So now in 1948, the Jews are gone. The Palestinians are there. And they're given this type of refugee status that's approved by the UN. But they're told that they can be there for three years and then they become like actual residents. Mm -hmm. But the thing is, they never got those rights. And this is where it gets complicated. (laughs) So they were never given proper rights to these homes. And the, yeah, the Jordanian government never formally transferred these property rights. So they are on paper technically Jewish property. Yes, that's, yeah, a lot of the complication is actually coming from a law that was made in the 1970s, actually 1970. And that was made by the Israeli government that states that Jews have the right to property which was owned by Jewish people prior to 1948. But now at the moment, it's predominantly Palestinians that live there. So the Israeli perspective is that this should be theirs legally. But the thing is, the Palestinians that live there, they don't want to accept Israeli law. Because, of course, I'm sure as the listeners know, (laughs) I mean, they're, you know, they're not treated well at all by them. They don't want to live under Israeli rule. They see themselves in a place that's being occupied by Israel. So they actually don't accept it. And bringing on to today where the situation is it's like on the backdrop of all of these different laws yeah and i think it's important to note because when i was first reading about the situation the way some media sources were painting it was that uh the idf was knocking on palestinian people's doors and kicking them out of their homes Mm -hmm. but with some further reading um basically this kind of went back to 1982 and these Jewish groups who are technically the owners under Israeli law, which is not recognized by the Palestinians, um, sued the families living, the Palestinian families, um, as squatters. And so at the time, the Israeli courts ruled in the Palestinians' favor, recognizing the Palestinians as tenants as long as they paid rent. But what's being said is, however, some of these residents stopped paying rent. And so then this was brought back into the court to try and get them evicted. And like you said, going back to today, that's what people are waiting on. It's waiting on the court decision to make that final verdict as to whether to evict the Palestinians or not. Oh, okay. And it's been postponed, right? It was postponed because the Palestinians had a problem with it. There was protests. Yeah. Yes. In the Al-Aqsa mosque. So on the last Friday of Ramadan, many stayed after their prayers to protest the, the, uh, upcoming potential evictions that were going to take place. Right, okay. So that was kind of a background of what is happening in that place from a legal perspective. But if you actually look at it from, let's say, like a emotional perspective mm-hmm. almost, there was this great article that was posted on um, Al, Je- Al Jazeera and they interviewed some of the uh, Palestinian families that were living there. And there's at the moment, there was four Palestinian families that were facing eviction. And they interviewed this man called Nabil al-Kurd, and he's a resident at Sheikh Jahara. And how he got there, it's, it's almost hard not to be sympathetic because his family were threatened with forced expulsion on Sunday, and he has lived there since 1956. But the thing of how he got there is that his family were expelled in 1948 from another area, from um, Haifa. And then they came to that region as refugees. 
So they were giving, that was their safety zone, essentially. And now they're being told to leave. The, but the whole thing about whether or not they're paying rents, that's not even mentioned in the article. Right. And that's how difficult it is to read up on the situation. To discern what's It's true, hard to yeah. find it, not so much a middle ground, but it's hard to find a place that comes in between the, the very like two extreme sides that's like giving you the information. It's hard to see it on the same page, basically. It's, yeah. And it's... Y- from our perspective, it's kind of you look at it and you think, well, why why is this so complicated? Because the four families that are now facing expulsion, they've refused to sign a lease from the Israeli um, settlers that would allow them to remain on the property until their death. So, from our perspective, perspective, we're saying, wait, hold on a second, they're letting you stay there. But the way that they see this is, it's not a legal battle for them. They believe that they shouldn't have to sign legal documents when it's rightfully theirs because. They see the Israelis as as you know colonizing them, and they're like it's their. They see it as their home basically, and they see them as just taking their home away from them. So they're saying, "Why should we accept your legal documents? This isn't a political issue." And what is the or United- it's not a legal issue; it's a political issue for them, right? Yeah, and that's it's such a fine line because it's so you have you can look at the facts, but there's also an emotional aspect on both sides to it. Yeah, it's like a symbolic gesture, really, against mm-hmm. Israeli occupation, also. So what did the United Nations say about this? Yes, so the United Nations, I mean, they're always like condemning things, basically. A lot of talk. (laughs) A lot of talk and saying, hey, don't do that. Um, But basically, they are saying that what is happening in East Jerusalem is violating international humanitarian law. So they say that East Jerusalem remains part of occupied Palestinian territory. However, that's not what Israeli law says so the UN are basically saying that the Israelis are making up their own laws that is going against humanitarian law so this is what this is how it gets so complicated with all of these different laws all these different actors involved as well exactly so the Palestinians aren't accepting the Israeli law because they don't see themselves as Israeli simply enough and then the is and then the Israelis aren't you know cooperating with the Palestinians because of that so it's it's like it's all very very complex and so there's been a huge outcry on social media yeah from so many celebrities and i think even people that we follow mm-hmm. um and i think one of the most prominent was the the post that was reposted by diet prada yes so this i'm sure a lot of you have seen this infographic i think like bella hadid reposted it Lots of celebrities reposted it. it. It's huge. And yeah, I think it's good for us to kind of look at it and see what it's about. And it's actually really interesting because I'm going to read out like some information from this infographic. But the IDF, which is the Israeli Defense Force, they actually created a response to this infographic, which is, you know, it's crazy that so much of stuff is like just happening through Instagram. Like it really shows the power that in that social media has. So the infographic that we're speaking of, it's of two girls sitting on the ground and like they're drinking some tea. And one of the girls is asking some basic questions about Israel and Palestine. And first it kind of starts off with words, with like semantics, you could say. So one of the girls says, so aren't Israelis and Palestinians just fighting over religion? And then the other girl says, they're not fighting. Israelis are the oppressors and Palestinians are the oppressed. And the situation is anything about religion. 
So that's another important thing to take into account in terms of like what we were saying, like the emotional perspective is that from the Palestinians point of view, it isn't a fair fight. Mm. You know, that that's what they're saying. And I can go in later to talk about like how underfunded the Palestinians are, like they don't have proper means to protect themselves. And that's the reason why uh, Hamas, an essential, essentially a terrorist organization, had to form from Palestine because they don't have the proper means to fight against the Israelis who have a huge military backing. And then the infographic goes on to talk about, you know, like the history of Palestine and the like essential colonization that Israel played in Palestine. So <laughs> there's a lot going on like in this infographic. And it even it goes so far to say that Israel isn't a country, it's a settler colony colony. And yeah, I mean <laughs> the I don't know how you feel about the infographic. Like there's a lot in it. And I think it is good because you're like you're definitely seeing the very raw and emotional perspective from the Palestinian people. But then when you look at the IDF response post, it's just like mind boggling in a way, because it's like, hold on a second. Like, it's just so polarized. It's like they have a completely, the Israelis have a completely different idea about what's going on. Like, it's almost like, how are we talking about the same place? They and do. The one that they made it even visually looks the same. It's like mocking the it's original like, post. It seems like online beef. But yeah, um, yeah. yeah I mean, I think... From the Israeli side, the Israelis see that, hey, this was our land at one point as well. And they have the, from their perspective, this right to exist on this land. So it's emotional from both sides. And it's like these two huge, the government of Israel versus, you know, Palestine and Hamas. Mm -hmm. And then these people are shoved in between this conflict. But both parties believe that they deserve to be there. Mm -hmm. And that's what makes this so complicated, I think. And so the IDF responded and they did the same thing where they put two little figures and they talked about the, the kind of like a counter argument to what the original post was saying. Yeah. And so one of them was, for example, here. Um, so here the, in the IDF post, the girl asks, what terrorist organizations are there in Gaza? Mm -hmm. And the IDF responds with, the main one is Hamas, which controls Gaza. Another one is Palestinian Islamic Jihad, which takes its orders from Iran. Yes. So they posted this as, again, like a response. Mm -hmm. And then the original creators. Yes, they whipped out another response, actually, where they got the same um, visuals, but they just like photoshopped different words on top of it, essentially, mm -hmm. from the IDF post. And this is almost, again, it's getting into an argument over, like, words and definitions mm -hmm. because, sorry, I'm just waiting for it to load. <laughs> um, so the other character says, what terrorist organizations are there in Gaza? And then the other character says, and remember, this is from the Palestinian perspective, they say, we like to say Hamas is a terrorist organization, but they are actually a Palestinian political party were democratically elected. We like to say that they they are terrorists because the Palestinians have no military, which is true. They don't have an, an efficient military. But they are funded by Iran, Hamas. Yeah, that's true. But it they don't. They're funded by Iran, but right. like in compare compared to the IDF, right. it's like it's like it's so small. No navy. I mean, I think I've read that they have like a few boats. But again, like you mm -hmm. have to look at everything in comparison to the IDF. Um, Air Force nuclear weapons, like we do, 
and they're under military blockade and it makes our disproportionate force look more balanced. Yes, so, and then <laughs> this is an interesting one to me because like, how do you even like define a terrorist? Because a lot of people see the IDF and the Israeli government in general as a terrorist force. But the thing is, I mean, like, yeah, they're a state, so they're not technically, you know, a terrorist force. But like Hamas have killed innocent people, of yeah, course. So, but so has the IDF and everything. I mean, and in a way you could say, does it even matter like what's defined as terrorist and whatnot? Like at, at the end of the day, they're both killing, you know, hundreds of people. And the Hamas also. Yeah, I would say I think it does because I think with this infographic, it is a little bit um, disingenuous from my perspective to say that there are no terrorist organizations in Gaza because Hamas is a terrorist organization. And yes, they do control Gaza, but at the end of the day, they do send um, suicide bombers into Israel to blow up cafes and blow up buses. And of course, you know, both sides have committed atrocities and you know of people to have differing perspectives on it but i think at the end of the day hamas is a terrorist organization especially since it's been labeled mm -hmm. by um, like yeah the it, US, fits the bill. it fits the it bill. does it fits yeah, the definition really yes of course and it is also important to think in terms of terrorism the amount of safety on each side mm -hmm. like i think it's known that almost every israeli home um has a bomb shelter right yeah Right. So when Hamas is sending rockets their way, they can all hide in their bomb shelters, whereas the Palestinians simply, uh, they just don't have that. Like, because they're not living, on, because Hamas, I guess, that is controlling them isn't technically a state. It is like a paramilitary organization. I guess it is a terrorist organization. They don't have the infrastructure to, you know, to um, defend their people. Like, I'm yeah. using that in quotation marks, the way that the IDF does. I mean, so it's... It's a very strange, um, like power imbalance, right? Mm. I I I lived in Israel for three years. Yeah, and I I had a bomb shelter there, and while I was there, there was never any conflict. So you know, it was a nice bedroom. Yeah, um, <laughs> and but I was I was FaceTiming some of my friends there, and they were in the bomb shelters. So it was like a, every few minutes there was a siren warning. Mm -hmm. And I suppose in Gaza there aren't those siren warnings to you know inform people. Yes, hey, something's yes, coming. Of course, yeah. Um, there have been instances where the IDF, you know, informs. There's a video of them calling. You know, you heard the the tower that collapsed in Gaza. Yeah. So the house manager of that tower received a call from the IDF that was like <sighs> evacuate the premises. Yeah. We're going to you know shoot down the building I essentially, mean, um, and that's you know not to say that that's right or anything, but. I think it's yeah. just well, it's very different to compare because, like I said, yeah. the IDF have they literally have billions also of in, course, in of backing, course. yeah. And then it's just so like it's just so horrible the way that like it just it's not ending. I think there's innocent sides. people being you know they're mixed into this. No one asked you know in, the, on, in Palestine they're not asking for this to happen to them even yeah. if they're fighting for to free Palestine. And then the Israelis they don't want this either. I mean. I feel like a lot of people agree that the Israeli government can sometimes use way too much force as a response. And this it's just like a lot of discussion back and forth, mm -hmm. but then we don't see a solution coming. No, that no. I can't I <laughs> like I can't think of any that, potential uh, solution coming. 
yeah in, it, in the close amount of time really it's just like i just think the death toll is just going to keep on going up like actually just today what? we yeah. saw that they um israeli missiles was it or bombs mm-hmm. um attacked a refugee camp yeah and so that's just the way that it is it's like it's not it's not ending like it, it will be interesting to see how the international community reacts especially yeah. the u.s because yeah. the u.s have put a lot of money right into right oh they fund Israel. yes yes they fund a lot i think it's three now let me double check before i say um but i believe it's three billion u.s dollars wow uh, oh but my God. let me just check that because that might be a gross overestimation yeah, so it's three billion. Oh my god! But yeah, that's funny because like Joe Biden or whatever, he can condemn it as much as he wants. But like that's still their money that's being fired, mm. you know, towards the refugee camps. Yeah, it's horrible. It's just, it is horrible, horrible. Yeah, but like we said earlier, it's fascinating to see how social media is such a is becoming a very big almost like a media outlet for everything that's happening. Like I think most people are checking Instagram first uh, before the news and even like all of the celebrities that are getting in on it. And then there's also like this whole other uh, like side story where <laughs> like certain celebrities get like canceled yeah. because they don't put up any stories about it or they put up something, but they're like, no, no, like um, you didn't say not it using the right, the right way. words. <laughs> you, you, didn't, you didn't use the right adjectives. Which I think is, I mean, to be, I don't really see the point in that. I think it's almost like, like, Nitpicking. what's that going to do? Like, yeah. like, like Rihanna, like putting up a proper Instagram post isn't going to stop any bombs going off in Gaza. Like, no. Yeah. I did see someone posted um, that, you know, that, that it does bring awareness to it. So maybe there is, oh, there yes. is a side of it to that as well. Yeah, no, of course. But it does. Um, yeah, I think people are nitpicking, like if someone says something the wrong way, then it you know they're immediately cancelled oh yeah no i guess it's kind of like directing energy to to the wrong things yeah but also just a quick side note um there has been there was actually controversy last month only in april where um twitter restricted a palestinian writer and she got like her account like restricted i think that means like your account is like partially deleted but then there was like a media outcry and the twitter said that it was an accident but like it wasn't oh that's a bit yeah and now she's back but then also in april zoom facebook and instagram blocked an academic discussion that was coming from a university in san francisco and it's actually kind of ironic because the discussion was about it was called whose narrative free speeches in palestine but why why would they block something like See, that there was this journalist i don't know if you've heard of her leila khalid I have she's not. quite old she's like in her 70s now she's written a lot of books like she's palestinian um about uh, you know free palestine and all of that and she's affiliated with the popular front for the liberation of palestine ah. and the thing is the social media platforms they claimed that this was a U.S. designated terrorist organization. I'm saying in quotes. I don't mm. know enough inf- like information about that. And they said that they, if they accepted her, it would allow, it would violate laws prohibiting material support for terrorism. Ah, uh, I see. Okay. Yes. Okay. Yeah, but I think now it's kind of a different story, just because like you literally, it's like so ubiquitous on social media. So like it, we're gonna notice if they're taking stuff down, mm-hmm, basically. Mm-hmm. Yes. Wow. Interesting. Yes. So, so we'll, we'll hope this, I maybe this is some hope for, for us, but I saw that a diplomat put out into the media that this situation might de-escalate in the next coming days, that things might calm down and this won't 
become a full-blown war. Uh-huh. So we can only hope for that and hope that there are no more casualties, even though I don't think that will be the case. No, um, no. I mean, we, yeah, we can hope. I guess it's more so it's now on like the international community. Right. Right. Not not on them, but they're going to have to play, I guess, a big part in how this is going to further escalate. Yes. Well, <laughs> so thank you for listening, guys. Definitely. Um, yeah, just like read up on the news about it as much as you can. Like we said, like it, obviously infographics are great and everything, but I think it's really interesting to read stuff um like almost like personal accounts mm. are really good i think that like almost because it's so easy to look humanizes at all the statistics it. but yeah it really really humanizes it when you read personal articles like the new york times if you're an uva student you can get a vpn there's some really great opinion pieces there from like both palestinian and like say like american jewish writers about the situation and it really um it can change your perspective on everything yes so thank you julia thank you